Across the margin. Across the margin. Podcast. I'm your co-host, Chris Thompson, and I'll be behind the wheel of this fascinating car-centric adventure we have for you today. As always, my co-host, Michael Shields, is here with me. How's it going, Mike? Good. Excited about today. Yeah, definitely. Um, We're going to be talking about one of the most unique automotive finds of World War II, and our special guest is author John O'Leary, the man of the hour. He's the one who's going to take us on this adventure, and I know he's got a lot to say, so let me introduce him now. Welcome to Beyond the Margin, John. Uh, Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Thanks for coming, man. Uh, so just a little background on John. John is many things. He's a college professor. He's an assistant lacrosse coach at a state university. He has a master's degree in business, and he has traveled the world extensively. But most importantly today, John is here as a researcher and writer. And like all writers, he's got a story to tell. And it's in that capacity today that we are here to speak with him. So there are a lot of moving parts to this story, John, which I think adds to his intrigue. So I want to make sure I do a good job of setting this up. We're going to be talking about cars today, World War II-era Mercedes-Benz specifically. There's a certain history and story surrounding one car in particular, a rare 1939 Mercedes-Benz Action P that we are most interested in. Now, John, what exactly is an Action P? Well, thanks for having me again. Yeah, uh, and the first, um, this is such a unique story. I got involved with it through my father-in-law. Um, he had first shown me this, and I thought, you know, this is something that you know Mercedes had mass-produced or um, had made se- several of. And so he, your father-in-law is a car enthusiast. Yeah, my father-in-law is a third-generation uh, car restorer. Oh, cool. So working on you know Duesenberg, Ferrari, Auburn, Hispano Suiza, a lot of the cars from yesteryear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his big specialty was Mercedes. And uh, when I had met my wife, um, my now wife, I got to see um, a copy of uh, the Action P photo and a little little snippet on it and was just curious, you know, what is this? Um, I did some research uh, about my grandfather and his role in World War II. Um, He never spoke about it. He was in Europe. uh, He was in Africa. And I was, unfortunately, became fascinated with it after he'd passed away. Um, And just tried to do some digging. And uh, I had been fortunate enough to see a Japanese flag uh, signed by Hideki Tojo, who ordered the attack on Pearl Harbor. Wow. Um, Where did you see that? That was uh, down in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, we had a friend from high school, uh, Jim Altman, whose parents had retired down to uh, Scranton, outside of Scranton. And I got to see this flag, and it's you know I was just shocked. It's one of these... Uh, Tojo was executed shortly after the war, and uh, the neighbor was an MP and was 18, stationed in Japan, didn't know anyone, and was Tojo's really only contact, and somehow got him to sign this in the generals that were in the cell, cell he was guarding. And he had put it away like, you know, most people went back to work and um, the kid, their, his kids found it and opened it up and it's now in the Smithsonian. Uh, and it's now, you know, this, it's this wonderful piece that, you know, you can't recreate. And I got to see it and I was intrigued by it 
And now having seen this snippet from my father-in-law thinking, and this is some kind of a sign or, you know, I've got to do something with this. Um, so I thought this would, project would take me, you know, three weeks max. I would try to do something or look for some information. I'd hit a dead end or find out um, the contacts are no longer alive or there's no other information. Um, I just assumed that, uh, you know, like Mercedes is so a what, what, well I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what, what is so special about this Action P series? What, what, what is this car, uh, you know? Just from the bottom up, it's, it, was, it was used in World War II. Correct. So the reason why this car is so significant is that it's one of 20 cars uh, built during World War II, and it's only one of two that has survived. Okay. So this, again, this wasn't mass produced. This is uh, uh, this 20 special cars uh, built in the summer of 42, uh, and up until 1992, the only known surviving car um, is located in the National Technical Museum in Prague. So they only thought there was one at 20. Only one. And you look, all the literature up until this point has said only known surviving car is in Prague. It's intact. Um, It survived the war. Um, The reason that the 20 cars were built um, was uh, during the summer of 42, uh, Reinhard Heydrich was assassinated in one of the top uh, Nazi officials. He's, He's a bad... Bad man. He oh was, yeah, he's, he's one of the architects. Of the the yeah, but what's unique yeah. is that he is the o- the only top ranking official to be killed. Okay. Uh, so oh, wow. at, at, because of this, uh, the, uh, the Germany, the, the whole, this entire town of Ladice is liquidated. All the, the men are killed in this town. In retribution. In retribution. Wow. But one of the other things that, that came out of this assassination was, uh, you know, increased security for the top uh, Nazi officials of the time. Um, so uh, Hitler orders uh, Mercedes-Benz to produce these 20 cars. Well, there's not, you know, they want it done as soon as possible. Um, there's no, you know, they don't have six months, they don't have a year to do this. Uh, so what, what's happened is only two original cars are made. The rest are p- cars that are re- recalled, and the bodies are now put on top of the original chassis. So these are Mercedes-Benz cars that are being retrofitted, like armored. Correct. To- but because they don't have time, they don't have the material to, to build them from the ground up, the, the cars are taken back. The 18 of the, the 20 are taken back, and the new body, the new frame is put on them. Um, it's done in you know almost record time. Uh, the cars are delivered uh, later in 42, some in 43, uh, to different locations. Some are assigned to uh, top officials like uh, Himmler and Goebbels. Um, this specific car, uh, is the, uh, the chassis is 408377, and it was assigned to the Reichschancellor in Berlin. Wow. Um, uh, the car, uh, it, we know survives the Berlin bombings uh, from the Allies because we have the uh, diary of um, um, one of uh, Hitler's drivers, um, uh, who in his diary says that you know it survived uh, the bombing raid? Um, you get to read the diary of one of Hitler's drivers. Yes, uh, they're, 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 amazing. They're, they're, a lot of this stuff, a lot of these documents has have survived. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we know that uh, uh, Ava Braun is picked up and brought to uh, the bunker. Um, we Ava don't, Braun, for Ava, anyone who doesn't know, was. Um, Hitler's companion. Right. Right. They were married yeah, for, for one day. 40 like 40, minutes, I think. 40 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 40 hours, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, hours. not 40 minutes. Yeah. So she is picked up and brought to the, the, the bunker, uh, and there's no, you know, there's no document or, that says which car it was, but if you were to pick up, you know, the mistress and then wife of uh, Adolf Hitler, yeah. you're going to bring the most secure car that you can at the time. And that's this one. And my research has led me to conclude that that's the car that 
she like was likely picked up in. Again, no smoking gun that says yeah. this, but once you start yeah. to peel back the layers, you think it's the four hundred eight three seven. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so this car is extremely rare. Yeah. So right? again, this isn't a line uh, that were made. It's one of twenty, only one of two that's known to survive right. to this day. So uh, what does the P stand for? The so the P uh, P means Panzer, which is uh, uh, German for, for armored. So right. it's an action P for okay. for armored. Uh, uh, Program, right. so it's the it, it's the, this order that that set it out that these twenty cars to be built and delivered yeah. uh, at such and such a date. It makes me think of the German Panzer tanks, you know, and sort of like just like those were just like beasts that just rolled across the battlefields, just Cor- destroying everything. Correct. Well, and at the time, it's not like it is armored today. It's it's you got to yeah. remember this is in the nineteen forty five armor. It was armored then. So there's bulletproof on the floor. It's not as thick as it was today or as this Ooh. today, but for back then it was, was pretty legitimate. They they've tested it on the guns at the time. It was able to to stop the bullets. So it it was it did what it was designed to do. Yeah. Um, now you know you flash forward. You know the end of the war. Uh, most things you know people the GIs come back to to, to the states or wherever else and they go back to work. Uh, most of the, the Nazi stuff is destroyed. It's just discarded as trash, and you know people don't think anything of it. Um, and now you get into uh, you know classic car restoration and collectors and you know the, the Mercedes the pre-war stuff all becomes large dollar uh, amounts if you look even today uh, looking back any of, of the pre-war cars they're you know they creep up on 1 million 10 million you know 18 yeah. million dollar uh, they become basically pieces of art of course um, so it, so in the exotic and collector car market these are like some of like the most prized possessions in terms of like their their unique history and also like their value yeah they're, they're unique it's it, it, uh, it, you look at cars like uh Again, the American stuff, the Duesenberg Ferraris always is up there. You, look, there was a, uh, I think in the news recently, they found a collection in France, and the guy had had the, the original uh, Ferrari Spider, California, and it sold for a record. Steve McQueen's cars have come up for sale. Mm. It's just, you know, the older stuff that there's less and less of, and this falls right into that. Right. So, I mean, this is, this is great. This is exactly why I think we're talking today, because there's a great backstory to this, you know, but you also have a, a unique uh, tie to it, you know. So I, I think, you know, what... I'd love to talk more about that too, you know. Um, I think it's also a big part of, of your book, um, which is part of the reason why you're here today. Um, so I, I know that just in talking to you and, and doing some research on my own, that it's well documented that Mercedes Benz manufactured these cars for Hitler and that, you know, his ruling elite, you know, like you spoke of. And, you know, since 1945, all these, you know, these survi- surviving armored and supercharged Mercedes Benz passenger cars, they've been scattered far and wide around the world. Um, and a lot of them are disappearing into the East after the war. You know, Russia absorbed a part of um, Germany. And um, so there's a lot of um, these mysterious and these controversial automobiles are often glossed over in a lot of historical accounts. Um, and that's sort of where you come in, you know, um, you know, if they're addressed at all. Um, but, you know, one survivor, which is this 1939 Mercedes-Benz Act P that you're speaking about, um, it has a great voice because it speaks through documentation and photographs and firsthand accounts. Um, and I, I know in your role as a researcher, trying to dig up some of this, and also in your connection through your family and your father-in-law, um, you've got a really fascinating story to tell today, both about how this car was discovered all these years after World War II's conclusion, and sort of the unique series of events that led you to become the chronicle, chronicler of such a rare and controversial car. Um, so, you know, I, I know um, in sort of the automotive circle, um, you know, maybe for you it's sort of a niche and small circle, but you've been called many things. You've been called Mercedes-Benz's expert on the Action P, um, one of the Indiana Jones of automobile archaeology, I love that term, uh, maybe even obsessed even. Um, 
So for all of you listeners out there, I want you to imagine this scenario. Um, it's a, and you sort of get a window into John's preoccupation with this vehicle's tail. It's the recession of the early 1990s, and the exotic car market has taken a nosedive. Then a chance phone call comes through, and suddenly three American car enthusiasts, whose success is intimately tied to the collector car market, find themselves on an expedition to the former Soviet Union in search of rare cars and untold riches, but only if they can find the cars they were told about first. During their adventures, they dodge the Russian mafia, try to blend in without speaking the language, they travel a dismal post-communist countryside looking at rotting car after rusting pile of junk, and as their spirits sink, and each day the possibility of stumbling upon a diamond in a rough fades, they grow discouraged. They make a lot of contacts, but have to return to the U.S. Then a month later, those contacts pay off, and they're off to Estonia, with an uncanny story of a farmer with a Mercedes-Benz rusting in a barn. And it's not just any Mercedes-Benz they find. It's the holy grail of Mercedes-Benz from World War II, a luxury armored car specifically made by the automobile manufacturer for Hitler's Third Reich. And from there on out, it's a flat-out race to get the car safely back into the U.S. before anyone else finds it. I mean, that just sounds like a wild ride um, to me. And, John, I know your book, which is entitled Acton P, Survival of a 1939 540K Mercedes-Benz from World War II, hints at an even wilder story that digs deeper than just the American's journey and the car's discovery. Because I know that you have a personal stake in this story as well. I know we talked about that briefly in the intro, but I'd love to talk more about it. Because I know, as you so often state, state, you couldn't make this stuff up if you tried, you know? So, like I said, the story fires on many cylinders, um, if I can use an automotive illusion there. Um, but before we fully delve into it, and I just want to know, like, you know, how did you really get involved in this? You know, um, I, I, I know you mentioned that your father-in-law um, has a unique link to it. But, um, you know, um, can you just talk about briefly, like, how you became the chronicle of the car's history, you know? Sure, yeah. And I definitely say I'm obsessed as well, so yeah. my wife, Sarah. Yeah. It's just been nonstop. Uh, but I remember... St- uh, specifically sitting uh, on the beach at Long Beach Island on a family vacation, and uh, I was reading the book Shadow Divers, and it was the uh, the chronicle of how they discovered a, a World War II U-boat off the coast of New Jersey, and no one had any record of it. The German records had no record of it landing there. The U.S. had no idea it was there, and these two um, scuba divers had gone down and chronicled it and found it and worked on to track exactly which U-boat it was. And so my father-in-law saw me reading this, and... Uh, you know, was just asking questions and, you know, talking about it and said, you know, I had asked him about the, the, the car stuff. He said, let me see what I can find. <laughs> so he, I, I don't know if it was purposely or not, but gave me a couple little tidbits and it, you know, piqued my interest. And he's you, probably pretty excited that you were, you know, kind of chopping at him, trying to get. Yeah. So I, I don't know, you know, if it was, you know, it was held, you know, he wanted to give me a little, see if I was interested, give me a little yeah, more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, little taste. Yeah. But it, 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 it kept going. Uh, it, it would give me something here and then he'd find another document, he'd find another photo or he'd find uh, something else. And every time I, you know, I keep saying, what are you holding out of me? Yeah, well, what's right. going on? So here? you were matching his enthusiasm. You know, yes. Like, that's, that's great. So, you know, I, I'm not, I wasn't really a big car guy. I am now. My brother was always been, he could tell you exactly what car was what, what year it was. Um, but I've become, you know, more, you know, engrossed on this one specific model. Um, I love the older stuff now as I've get into it and got, get ex- more exposed to it. Um, but, uh, uh, reading some of the documents my, my father-in-law gave me, uh, I was turned on to a couple of different articles and fortunately the people that did all this stuff are no longer living. Um, uh, but I had been working, uh, a lacrosse camp up in the Berkshires a couple of years ago. And one of the guys that was coaching hockey, um, I get to know him. And I, I needed to go up to the Canadian War Museum in Ottawa. There was a couple of documents up there that 
I think would be, I knew we were going to be pretty uh, important. But you know, how do I get up there? Am I? Is it going to be expensive? So I'm talking to the guy that I'm working with, and he's like, I literally live 15 minutes from the war museum. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So he's like, yeah, come on up, stay with me. So I yeah, I went up, I drove up there, uh, nice little long drive, but you know, had a place to stay, took me to a senator's game. And so when he would go to work every morning, I'd go to the, the museum and do some research. Um, fantastic stuff. There's, you know, box after box after box. Unfortunately, like a lot of things, nothing's labeled correctly. Or I picture you in the back room of these these museums. I mean, you've been given that type of access. Yeah, right? so you you know, it's uh, they're more open. You know, as long as you, uh, you you make an appointment, I was you know proactive to say I'm going to come up. I'm looking for these boxes, yeah. and they pull them for me. It's a little different if you go up there the morning of and say I'm looking for this. It's going to take you a while, but you know, it's very you know make sure you you're sometimes you need the white gloves because some of this stuff is old or original. That's great. Um, but they were they were you know very open. Take photos of anything you want. They will copy anything you want. So you had to, you know, I spent a lot of time marking things that I want. And I'm looking through and I, I find my father-in-law's business card. I find another business card of one of his associates. So I'm just, my head is spinning like, <laughs> what is this? So I'm texting my father-in-law saying, you're not going to believe what I've got in here to begin with. Um, and on the last day, I actually find the invoice for the car, the, the Chad, the 408377. I find all the documents I'm looking for. And I'm just in bewilderment. And, you know, the, the librarian comes over and says, you know, are you okay? I thought I was upset or something like that. I'm like, no, I, I can't, but this is what I've been looking for. You know, I, you know, I've been reading everything and marking yeah, the stuff here in the last day, in the last folder, of course, I find that, you know, the two major things that, you know, have, you know, basically proven that I didn't make this up, uh, you know, that Mercedes, you know, had built the car, um, and that, you know, it was off and running from there. It also proves that your final law didn't make it up either. I mean, it's like, you know, like it validates what he's saying too, you know I mean? Yeah, well, like, it, it, gets, it gets into this unique thing that they've kind of closed the doors. Years ago, uh, there's a great book by Jan Malin that's, you know, the, the supercharged Mercedes-Benz of the 30s. And it chronicles, you know, all these cars going back to basically the beginning of, of Mercedes-Benz. And it has original factory photos. And years ago, you could go in and they would, um, you know, they let researchers or some people come in and look at certain documents to see certain photos. And like anything, you know, they've kind of restricted some of that stuff, which is understandable. Um, but some of the research, some of the files in the War Museum had the original commission entry. They have all this information that they were uh, people were able to find years ago, and it held on to. And I, it's one of those I knew what I'm looking for, but I got to find it. So it's sort of a needle in a haystack. But I've, I don't have a haystack. It's more of a you know, uh, a box full of papers, box full of papers. Yeah. yeah to, <laughs> to look through. So it's not, it's not as hard to find. It's just, it's time consuming. Right. So I, I know what I'm looking for. I have to get it. Um, I have, uh, I have to say, you know, on Mercedes part, <clears throat> excuse me, they've been corresponding with, I've been corresponding with them and they've been extremely open of what they're willing to say. And I think they know the documents I have <clears throat> are legit, are valid. So I'm not making this up. And they've been able to confirm and send me the original technical That's drawings. Great, they're working with you in that, that fashion. Yeah, but I think because of what I have, if I was just you know starting at square one, saying I'm interested in this, do yeah. you have this? They'd say I don't think so, or maybe not, I don't think so. But you know, have you tried you know a book or something like yeah. that? But because I have, and they did change the policy where even if you own the car. Uh, you're no longer given, you know, original documents or access. Maybe in some certain situations, you know, if I was to persist long enough and if the right person asks on my behalf and, you know, I'm willing to go to, to Stuttgart uh, and look at it, may, maybe that will happen in the future. Um, but because of the, the, I have the things that I do, um, letters, uh, again, commission book, receipts, uh, all in German, all the original uh, signatures and everything on them. Do you speak German? No, no, I do not. 
Um, wish I did, but th- that was the other problem is, you know, finding someone to uh, translate some of this stuff. How, how would I know what is relevant, what is not? When I first came back from uh, the, the War Museum in Canada, I was just basically saying, scan me, you know, pages 50 through 200. Because I didn't know, I know what's important, just I don't fishing. know where it is. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, exactly, yeah. fishing. Didn't want to miss anything either. No, but some of the stuff was marked important, so I mm. got it back. And it, of all people, there's a woman in my daughter's uh, two year old program that speaks German and was able to translate this stuff for me. So I'm trying to find wow. people, I'm willing to pay them, I can't find them. Mm-hmm. And of all people, you know, of the world, you know, the world was round, but it's flat because someone knows someone yeah. or something else, and I'm finding someone in my daughter's class so to help me. Um, so it's you know it's it starts from there. Uh, it's giving me uh, you know another context, another name, another uh, person to try. Um, and looking back, there's several small articles in different uh, automotive magazines that are you know long out of print. Um, I, I have you know fax copies of those and other information to try there. Um, and then you know my father-in-law would find another photo. Or he's got a box of negatives in a shoebox somewhere, right. and it's sifting through that stuff. And well, it, does this have what I need, or does this not have what I need? Um, so it went out on like that for about a year and a half or so uh, until it really started getting uh, you know some legs behind it, and I was opening some more doors, um, and then you know finding who the major players were. Um, so my my father-in-law is was, is one of three is a part of a trio. Um, that uh, again during the early '90s, unfortunately, my my father-in-law he ran Reuters Coachworks. He's third generation um, of car restorer. Him and his brother uh, took over the business, um, and unfortunately, had it gone under during the '90s because, like anything, when the economy turns, people aren't necessarily restoring cars every yeah. weekend. Um, so they received a phone call. Um, uh, my, my father-in-law did um, from a woman in uh, Oklahoma. Uh, saying that someone had given her a lead about a 540k, um, did, but it was so overseas. Did she know that they were looking for these these type of automobiles? Like, has she always been in contact with your father? Yeah. So this the, trio. The uh, woman's name is Jenny Kaiser. Okay. Uh, she she's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Still lives out there, and she had done business with my father-in-law. They have several dealings on you know Mercedes or uh, you know. 57 Chevy or whatever it is and they've made money you know with each other through several transactions actually despite having never met uh so she thought of Rich because they they know they had restored many of the Mercedes um actually they won a uh a first prize uh the Reuters did for restoring a a 28 uh S Mercedes so that word has been out so Jenny called Rich and Mm -hmm. said you know I have a lead on a 540k and I know these models are you know rare and can be worth something are you interested and I agreed not to, you know, pass along the tip until she heard from him that they were interested. So my father-in-law was interested, uh, called a par- uh, colleague, sometime partner of his, uh, Dick Fritz, uh, who ran Amerispec, which was the Ferrari conversion business uh, located in Danbury. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought in a third partner uh, and were, were interested in, you know, going overseas on this hunt to try to find something. Um, because, you know, the, the, the U.S. market was somewhat saturated, but they didn't have as many of the foreign cars as there are in Europe. Uh, so they I decided to give it a, a shot. moment. They're kind of where we're going here. This is kind of where the adventure, as I see it, from what you've told me, really begins. I mean, with that phone call and all of a sudden these three guys, you know, shared passion are about to embark Overseas, yeah. And, uh, so they do fly to Russia. Yeah. So they make several trips uh, overseas uh, to the former Soviet several, Union. Several. So the it's not fruitful at first. No, the first one, um, I believe, you know, they're looking for, uh, you know, cars that they can, uh, you know, bring back and sell. And so the reason my father-in-law was brought in is he knew instantly if you look at a car and say engine's wrong, 
the bodies doesn't match because yeah. the people were trying to sell you. People will just put different engines, like a truck engine, inside yeah. of this. Yeah, in some cases even a tractor. And you yeah. know, oh, I got this rare, you know, so, rare car worth many, you know, thousands of dollars, exactly. and it's you know not worth five bucks. Um, but again, as they're there in the early '90s when communism has fallen, uh, people are trying to make a book on anything, and you need to be able to kind of tell. You need the eye to know this is worth it. This is worth the investment. And this is not, yeah. and that's why he was you know brought in for it. So they they, they found a couple of old uh, BMW uh, motorcycles that were German that had the uh, that were specific for the the campaign in uh, in uh, Africa because it had the, the filter on the top, uh, just a unique part of. Uh, that that section of the war, um, those are still very rare today. Big dollars. Um, a lot of the Indian stuff, uh, Indian motorcycles. Um, so, you know, some cars are worth it, some weren't. Um, so they went back and forth. I think they made five trips total. Wow. Um, so you know, they would find certain pieces, and then they'd come back, and you know, someone would say, "Well, you didn't see this car. You didn't. You, I, you heard about this? They've got a horse, or they've so got something else." So they're making contacts to this whole thing. Are they? Um are they like carrying cash with them? Are they like going over there ready to buy? Is that something? Yeah. So the, I think that it's the it's the second to last trip. They 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 each have. I think it's something like ten thousand dollars cash strapped to their bodies. Like they're strapping it to the bodies. Yeah. So it's like, like you know I, they're wearing uh, you know kind of clothing you know not to you know, not to blend in not to yeah. stand out because you don't want to be wearing you know these like, Texan bolo hats or I'm something. Sure, and, words getting around too that these Americans are in town. They, they you know they're looking for antique cars. They're asking questions. Yeah. yeah. So they. They brought it, you know, they had a translator with them. They mm-hmm. had uh, someone who, who you know, kind of a you know, logistics person. So, yes, that was the biggest fear was that, you know, the longer that they stay, yeah. someone, they, they just, they don't look Russian. They don't speak the language. So someone's going to notice something and say, Stop why are talking. they at this house for yeah. a week? Or yeah. they keep coming back right. to the same area. It's dangerous. There's, right. there's, there's a level. Then the Russian mafia starts knocking your door asking questions. Yeah, so it's, you, you know, any yeah. anytime money is involved, you know, because the, the government is unstable, uh, they're going to want a piece of it or you're going to have to pay protection. Or some kind of yeah, or fee, or they they did find a Mercedes that uh, somehow got lost in transit. So it's one of these. Even though you you let's say you find something worthwhile, uh, you don't necessarily know you're going to get it back. Who can you trust? You, yeah, exactly. Who can you trust because things are disappearing? But it's it, it, no one knows where to turn right. to. Things are unstable, so you don't it, know where to go. It just sounds like incredibly chaotic, and the fact that they're trying to within this sort of landscape, like find a car and bring it back to the U.S. It's just, it's just such an amazing... I'd, I'd be terrified. Yeah, I'd be terrified, yeah. Yeah, well, I, yeah he, his famous quote is, you know, I wouldn't say we were worried, I'd say we were very worried. <laughs> yeah. Because they're, you know, you don't, again, you don't know who you, if you could talk to someone at a hotel and yeah. then they're calling someone else behind your back. Um, and so, you know, they, they eat at the first McDonald's that has, has opened at this time in the Kremlin. So, you know, food's very scarce. So it's still... It's expensive, but not compared to the rest McDonald's of the country. Is a luxury. Exactly, and you know, I don't, I'm not sure if it's still there, but uh, it, it was the big thing to do. So you, we see it in the West as this giant opening, but you know, the people are still starving. So you know, they would go to try to get a hotel room for the night, and the, the price would start at ten grand, mm-hmm. and then it moved down to you know a thousand, and then ten bucks, and how about you know three bucks for the night? So the, the the price scale went crazy. So you needed the cash. They don't take credit cards. They're not taking checks. They're no your credit. The credit's no good. So you need cash to kind of move anywhere. Um, and they're in the unique situation where it, it, if this has happened any other time in history, I don't know if they're as successful because of Homeland Security now and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they go several times, um, and they on the the second to last trip, they get a call. Uh, 
um, from Jenny. This is this is the, the saying that the car there's a car in Estonia, and it's a 540 model, and they do a little research on it. And they have uh, the, the 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 person who called Jenny Peter. Uh, Peter the Swede. Peter the Swede. Peter the Swede, who was uh, uh, had, had, has worked in had worked in the United States. He was uh, him and Jenny have a is Jennifer is that what said Jenny. Uh, Jen, they, they have a relationship. The, yes, they had uh, done some work together because I think uh, Peter had worked uh, in, in Long Island at one of the restoration shops, the restoration excuse me, automotive shops. So he knew you know what things were worth. He could identify certain cars. So he, he, they're on the phone with Peter and asking him to read certain things. Find this. Find uh, is, is it what they say he is? So. Where is? Can you find the chassis? Can you find uh, markings on the car? Do they know it's a Mercedes? Do they know what it is. So uh, the uh, Peter, the, the last conversation says, I think it's Peter saying, uh, it, "It is what I say. It is. Come find it or come <laughs> come get it." And that was all they needed. It's all they. I mean, that's all they needed to hear. So they, uh, Rich and my uh, and Dick Fritz brought in a third partner, um, who was the money guy. Uh, who was able? Who funded basically the trip to going over? So he wanted to be included. So the three of them set off, and um, they start this, you know, the trip uh, to you know to Estonia. They fly into the the Russian uh, airport. They 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 wind up taking trains throughout the country because there's no you know no Uber. There's no you know easy way to get around. Um, they've got to go in through you know kind of the back roads to get uh, what they're looking for. Uh, and what they're looking for is this, you know, action P, which they're told the chassis number matches um, the car. The, the, there's a bulletproof glass that matches, uh, but they got to see it to believe it, and they got to go inspect it. So uh, they wind up um, in, you know, in, in, in a barn in uh, in Estonia, and when they get there, they're kind of disheartened because, um, you know, they they're told that someone has seen it years ago, but no one could actually. Peter didn't actually do what he said or read what he thought he saw so there's all this you know questions in the air they go to the barn and they open the doors and it's full of junk there's so just stuff even after traveling the thousands of miles spending all this money they're at the place and they're still unsure that it's there yeah I mean, because like, they're willing to take a chance i mean sounds like I, it, yeah. so they they're they're in the barn and you know rich famously says there's there's no car in here there's, there's no car here it's just junk it's just, just junk like so there's a there's a rope that hangs in the barn and it and it goes you know back and forth it toggles and they have peter swinging through and the the best part about this above is, the junk uh yeah it's on the rafter uh, very indiana <laughs> jones style with his yeah whip. the best the best part is i had this this is all on videotape so they recorded a lot of stuff i have the videotapes for this and you see them swinging back and forth and uh rich asks peter is there a car back there and you hear you know part of a car well you, you they peel back some of the junk and you can see uh the body and the hood so they know there's a starting point there but you know where are the wheels where's the rest of the um the body where is where's the armoring where's the chassis yeah. where's the armor plating so they dig through they spend a few hours in the barn and they find the chassis it's put up against uh the wall of the barn and this is you know a state-of-the-art barn it's you know got holes in the rafters who, who owns the barn Do they have permission to be in here yeah so the the the, the guy that um uh owns the barn uh his name is Heydrich. And he's Russian, and he he originally acquires the car uh, mid seventies. Uh, uh, he knows the car is worth something, uh, trades it for another uh, car, owned the car through seventy six through eighty. But he was getting pressure and heat from the Russian mafia uh, because of the car, so he dismantles it. 
uh, stores it in three different barns. So they're in one barn, my father-in-law now trying to, you know, decipher what this is. So it's he, even did, worth he, it. did he take it apart to um, kind of keep it safe, to protect it? I mean, because, you know, if you store all the pieces all over the place, no one's really going to know it's theirs. That, was that his intention? Yeah, I think because he knew what he, he knew it was, it was, it was unique. He didn't yeah. know exactly what it was. He um, had no idea the actual value. No, but he, and he actually drove it. So he, he registered the car. He oh, drove wow. the car wow. in Russia. Um, there's a couple of photos of him with the car before he took it apart. It's almost like he hit it. Like he just yeah. like put all that junk on top of it. One of the pieces uh, of literature he shared with us, it was um, described as a, puzzle that only he could put back together yeah I mean, it, it, because it, there's just parts scattered everywhere so if you're not a car person do you I don't know a fender from you know a head um, I should say no, a fender from Hillet but you know an internal working or uh, firewall mm-hmm. piece or whatever it is uh, you know how much is there how much is this, of this is original how much are they missing okay. if anything where the, where the markings are so they're in the barn and they, they find the, the, the chassis stamp and they read off the chassis number, the 408377, and they're trying to play it cool because they know this that's is a, one of the pretty, numbers. That's an amazing moment. So yeah. That's like, like Eureka. That's, when they, that's a Eureka moment, right? Yes. It's like stamp into the side of the car. So they're just, just the trying, car. They're trying to play it coy. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're trying to play it real cool. You know, in their heads, they're just Everyone chill. screaming. Everybody chill. Um, so they... Uh, they're, they're directed to the several other parts of the barn. So the, the armor plating is there, the body is there, the chassis is there. Um, but it uh, turns out the guy doesn't want to sell. So the three partners are now, you know, stumped because they've, they know they've got something. Um, they don't really want to leave without it. Yeah. Um, well, they, they, I mean, they were offering him a substantial amount of money and he was just... No, I don't want to sell. Yeah, they, 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 the, the, the task of wooing him and trying yeah. to sell it was left to the, the money guy. Yeah. And so they tried offering, uh, you know, certain things, and he didn't want to do it. No, 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 car's not for sale. So, again, this is, I think, the fourth trip. Um, and then uh, the, the, they go back to the hotel, and uh, Dick Fritz and my father-in-law just convinced there's no way. Yeah. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, three o'clock in the morning, money guy comes in, wakes them both up and says, we got the car. Now we got to get it the hell out of here. <laughs> what so, happened? What changed? So, uh, they, uh, they, they thought that, um, you know, they could woo him with, uh, with money, which did to a point, but he wasn't interested in money. He wanted something else. And what he actually wanted, uh, was an education for his daughter. So they, That's fantastic. yeah, well, I mean, it's good motivation. Yeah, so they, right. they, agree, they struck a deal where they agreed to send the daughter to prep school. Uh, turns out in Massachusetts wow, back in New England. For, for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think fund her through college, a few couple of thousand dollars, um, and then a couple of the cars. So, uh, he, again, he was more focused on the daughter than really the money amount. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds be, like a great father. Yeah. Well, I mean, it helped him, you know, it, they wound up buying, I think, uh, a condo complex with it, so it helped. It, it, it helped them, um, but it you know was more to help the daughter because uh, he knew education in America was good. Oh, the yeah. turmoil in, yeah. in the former Soviet Union was not good. I mean, he bought his daughter yeah. a future. Yeah. You know, I mean, how, you can't put a price on that. No, right? ex- exactly. So uh, they they now have agreed. Everyone's all smiles. There's you know there's a, they've they sent up a bill of sale. Uh, they agree to do this, but you know how do you get a car? Uh, like this, you know, to the states, and it has to be done, you know, on the up and up, or else and the also, U.S. won't let not it in. Just on the up and up, um, you know, secretly in some ways too. I mean, because you know, we've been speaking about the Russian mafia and other parties that might be interested in this car, and knowing how much they just spent, you know, how much money was involved in this transaction. 
they have to do it secretly. Well, yeah, and so they're you know the, the plan is uh, they they prep the barn. Um, they get uh, there's like a they make like a makeshift ramp. They they've hired a truck to to trans to transport this thing, um, but they have to meet the next day, and no one's supposed to say anything. Yeah. Well, someone that's involved, that's the dri- the car, the driver, blabs to somebody or says something he wasn't supposed to, and basically the, the clock's on. So they don't word is out. Uh, people are going to start asking questions. Uh, they know they knew that uh, Hydric had had this car. Uh, they didn't know where it went. So now once word gets out. Rush Mafia was going to start asking questions. The, the, also, the, the Mercedes Club of Russia wants it too. So there's a couple of different factors. Who knows in that club? Uh, so they're going to they're going to come sniffing around, and if that car is not out of there, they're going to lose it. It's going to be taken. Wow. So they have they, they agree. I think it's like a like eleven. I think the next morning that they've got to load this thing, get it to. Uh, the airport, but how are they going to get to the airport? Well, they had sent Fritz uh, over to uh, Finland um, on like one of these hydroplane kind of boats, mm-hmm. uh, and he needs to somehow tr- secure transportation. But still, they can't just yeah, because they're you know they they're transporting a car. They can't just use regular you know airlines that are available in Russia. So they go over to to Finland, to Helsinki. Wow. So, so they yeah, fl- they fly from uh, Astor- Astoria to. Helsinki. Well, no. So, so Fritz takes the hydrofoil thing over okay. uh, to to Finland. Uh-huh. Somehow is able to finagle two of these like uh, kind of pr- not prop planes. The wrong way. It's like uh, they're little small cargo planes. Okay, but they're sized enough that they do need two of them. Yeah, they need two okay. of them because uh, one car uh, because the car will be loaded into boxes, and okay. in some parts you can't t- you can't take the the body. You can't cut it yeah. away, uh, so it needs its own space. Uh, so, but, you know, the rest of the parts and everything else can go in, in the boxes and things. So he comes back. He winds up paying something like seven grand for these two planes. And, again, this is before cell phones. He has one of these giant, like, Zach Morris kind of phones, which I don't know how it works. But he, he's got a span of, like, you know, what, you know, eight hours to do this. Comes back. They have the, the planes. The other problem is the planes have to clear Russian airspace that night Sweet. by 11 o'clock. So they they load so the cinematic. They're on the clock. Yeah, the so thing, they're right. moving it out of boxes. There's two they, airlines coming. Two there's just in. there's so many random, yeah, fa- moving, well, not random moving factors. And the more people know about it, the harder it's going to be to do it. So right? yeah, he the, the guy comes back and says, you know, he his wife, he's told somebody he wasn't supposed to tell, and and now they're even more the the three partners are even more panicked. So they've got they get the parts sl- slid down, boxed up on the ramp onto the truck onto the flatbed. So there's three car. There's a, a flatbed truck, a Fiat, and a small little uh, a truck that's in a, like a, a caravan that's going to the airport. And they're that's not going to stick out at all. They're terrified. <laughs> they don't know who's coming this way or going that way. And it's you know it's probably a you know it's a few it's a couple hours to the airport. So on the way there, one of the uh, the truck gets a flat. Of course. So you know they're they're on the side of the road. It's kind of dusk, so it's it's darker. Uh, they don't know what they're going to do. There's no jack in the car. They're, everyone's freaking out because if they don't get to the airport, they're out of luck. The planes will be gone. So um, come to find out, the there's <laughs> like anything, the communication doesn't get back and forth. They go into the Fiat. The Fiat has uh, a, a wrench for the lug nuts. It, it matches the truck. What? So they're taking the lug nuts off the truck with, with the Fiat uh, wrench and change the tire, get back in. You know, they're all sweating bullets. Um, get the car to the airport. Um, and what they needed was, you know, your customs work. 
It's now I'm I want to say like nine thirty ten o'clock. It's a large hour. airport. It's like a regional like Re- regional airport? smaller okay. airport. So the uh, officials aren't really like you know on the up and up, right? Well, they are, but they they've been told that there there's someone there where they'll open the, the airport for them if they need to for a suggested donation. <laughs> okay. So uh, so they already set something up at the airport. Right. Yes, cool. but what happens is. Um, the guy's not there at the airport, and if you don't have these stamps for your, uh, you know, your paperwork, they're not going to let the, the car. Yeah. The, you need to be able to say the car got out where it did, and hasted all this paperwork, or else it sits in limbo. So uh, the, the guy, it turns out, the guy doesn't have a driver's license. The guy doesn't have a car. This is the guy who can get the stamps. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so, so they they can't get out of the plane. So three, two of the three guys go to start loading the the. the the, the plane the other one brings uh, gets in a car go gets, gets the guy for the airport brings him back stamps everything which is it, it, so it's legit to get out gives him a donation yeah it gives him a donation they, they, they pay everyone that you know helped to load the, the plane and everything else um, and the, the last question that's asked is you know are we overweight on these planes <laughs> and the pilot's response is well watch the first plane if it takes off and it, it's up we're fine <laughs> the, the other one will be fine <laughs> yeah, if it crashes we're in trouble the dry black humor there yeah. I mean, like. so uh, the, the, uh, the, their flight uh, the first flight takes off um, this uh, the, it's up it wheels are up uh, no problem uh, then the, the second plane carrying my father-in-law and uh, his two partners go up um, there's a great shot in the video of uh, you know them cracking beers once they clear airspace. Um, they then go from Helsinki, um, uh, where it's loaded on a, uh, it's a Pan Am flight uh, in the cargo bin to JFK. Uh, the car is then uh, tr- transported from JFK uh, in, in, into Connecticut. Um, they've got all the paperwork they need for it. Um, they have um, you know all the documents they need for it, uh, but they don't have as a buyer for it. Okay. So, uh, but they're safe and sound back in the U.S. They're back in the U.S. They're they're contacting certain, um, uh, you know, contacts that they know that are Mercedes enthusiasts. No interest. They actually go to the uh, Mercedes-Benz Museum in Stuttgart. Uh, the former uh, curator Ritter uh, quotes them of something like, you know, the car is worth fourteen million dollars. They don't have one at the uh, um, at the museum. Um, they've never they've never seen one other than the car in Prague. Um, so they didn't, they didn't even know this car was still existing. doesn't know exists. So I, the, the literature that had come out before then saying you know other than the car in Prague, there's simply no trace of the rest. And wow. this came comes out in '90. So it's the holy it, grail. It is. I mean, it's the it's the one. It's the, the one if if not the, one of the rarest Mercedes Benz ever built. Um, and so it, so I mean just, just to go back a second. So yeah. were these three Americans you speak of? I mean, were they just like? I mean, did they have a moment where they just like did like unlimited high fives in a room or something like that? Well, they I mean, they, like, they all I mean, thought they were rich. My father-in-law is famous for saying, and him and his brother were like yacht shopping yeah. because they all thought they were just going to be you know living a high life everywhere. You always because, go to the yachts when you get rich. You know? Well, yeah. If you look at some of this at yeah. some of these cars that that have sold, and because you know this is not you know some collector saying this, this is Mercedes telling you this is what it's worth. Um, so you know the the, the car, uh, unfortunately. Uh, they, well, there's no interested buyer. They, they're looking for, um, uh, you know, some interest, some bite. 
but you know, because of some of the black history with it, there, there's just no way. I mean, even I know Leno doesn't touch pre-war Mercedes. Leno doesn't touch like uh, Nazi stuff like that. Well, pre-war, just so. pre-war. So right. he just doesn't get involved. But I understand why he's a public figure, so right. he could catch a lot of flack for it. But nowadays, if you there's just the the expansion, the, the, the ever, you know, the, the the story of of just the automobile is the story of America and right. the world. Yeah. So if it doesn't matter where you are. People use cars for transportation. There's an intrigue. There's a there's an ambiance there's no to war, it. Yeah. And then you look in. It goes back. This is built during the war, during the specific time. Um, it's a unique part of history. Um, it's been confirmed. It, you know, it, this isn't something that it was a one off or it's yeah. a uh, something that was built for, out of a scale or a model or off. Uh, uh, you know, picture from the past or something like so, that. So maybe back then, you're talking about like the mid-90s or something like that. There wasn't a lot of interest, but now it's sort of times have changed. The world's become a smaller place. Yeah, I mean, you, you look know. at the, 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 the dot-com boom. The, yeah. the, you just look at the, the people that are interested in cars. Again, there's no, it's, the world there's is a, a lot of money out there, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you look at some of these shows on TV or these car restoration shows and right. their clients are... You know, they're in Europe, they're in Asia, they're in Africa now. This would be a great car for one of those shows. Yeah, not, it's not just the U.S. So there's just, the, you know, what, you know, what happens if, you know, China gets the love affair of the car? Oh, boy. You know, I mean, it's just the, 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 the potential for, you know, car explosion and collection, boom. You know, in, you know where it's endless. It could be endless. Yeah. Right. Where is right. it now? Where's the car now? The car is now in, uh, in Florida. Okay. Um, the car had sat for twenty five years uh, um, in storage in Connecticut. Again, couldn't find a buyer for did it. Did they try to rebuild it or anything? Or they put? Oh, that's a great question. Did yeah. it, is it? Did they put it? Intact? So they put back together the the chassis and the the outer body. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, with the turning the economy, Reuters Coachworks had gone under, okay. and this was one of the cars that they had uh, started but not finished. Okay. Um, and again, it was gonna. It, it would. It needed a bunch of restoration. So it sat for, you know, decades uh, in Connecticut. Again, small bits here looking for, you know, certain collectors that are interested. They didn't want to spend the money on re- restoring it. And now if you look at, uh, the, there's a big trend at Pebble Beach where they're, they're accepting cars that are not done. Um, because, you know, there's how many hundred-point cars are there out there, and it's kind of saturated. So Pebble Beach is like a classic car show? Is that a car show? Yeah, it's, a, it's a, uh, the concourse. It's a, you know, it's a who's who of cars shows wow. for... You know, around the world, it's okay. it's well known around the world, um, and you know they're 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 interested in um, some of these uh, you know unrestored cars. I actually got the car accepted uh, a couple of years ago. You um, did? Yes, to wow. the two, 2013 Concours. Fortunately, I couldn't get it out there in time just because my father didn't have the key. So it's one of those things. <laughs> he I, lost if the you, key you the can't, car? well, he didn't lose the key, which didn't have control of the key. So if you don't have control, you can't get the car. Sorry. Or, so it's it's one of those things. So you just never know, you know, where the next uh, opportunity is coming from. But yeah, the the car went to uh, uh, because of that, some things went in motion. The car went to auction, and the, the Collier brothers in Florida bought the car. Uh, and I think you know because of the intrigue of you know the story of helping the daughter out and uh, the, the money that was used to get, bring the car, you know, helped her. And that aspect of the story uh, was interesting to them. And they're you know preserving. Uh, automotive history, and they've got it now at their museum in uh, Florida, and it's yet to be determined cool. what they're going to so do. So, the museum, you can, you can go see it. Well, well, it's 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 in their collection, their collection. so I'm not okay. sure what the you know the viewing. How much did they buy it for? Uh, it's something like seven hundred and forty-five thousand wow. dollars. Wow. Uh, asking price, a little shorter than the fourteen. Yeah, million, a little, a little less. yeah, but not but, bad for a trip to Russia. 
Uh, yeah, but it's it's just one of those you know well, the adventure show, yeah. of them finding it was incredible. Yeah, right. Yes, they didn't get rich off of it, but you know how many things in life do you actually get rich yeah. off of? Uh, I, the the, the, the fact that it's other ways. Yeah, and then that the fact that it's it's lived on, and then that's yeah. it, it's coming back now, yeah. uh, and that it's survived in its own uh, unique way, and now. You know, I you know this again. This was all they tried to do this before the internet, before Facebook, before social media. So now to to do certain things, uh, to get you know find information, it's a lot easier than it was. You have to write letters, you have to be on the phone, and you wrote every phone and waiting for someone to call you back. You don't have instant communication or text like you did. So I'm you know I think my some of the doors that I've been able to open, he just couldn't have done when he tried this years ago, okay. and because he had the information that he's been very generous to share with me has given me a specific target to look for and know where to go. If you're looking at this, you know, uh, at a outside view or not having any history or knowing much, you just don't know where to start. Right. You don't know where pieces are. You don't know the full history of it. So what my book gets into is kind of a, you know, soup to nuts, A to Z of this car, of the Action P program, of how they found it. It's, it's a whole uh, chronological tale of, you know what this actually was, how this relates to World War II, how you know how they discovered it. Um, gets into more specifics um, of um, you know some of the you know details on you know where they stayed. Um, right. I have I, I've just been given unprecedented access to the photos, the videos, the documents that just back up the entire story. Right. Which is one like you said, you know, I, I couldn't make this stuff up if right. I tried. You know, reality is yeah. more. You know, more fun than fiction can sometimes. Be. So, so you've you've had a unique opportunity to take on this role as like a researcher, and out of that, you've sort of written this wonderful story about this adventure. Yeah, well, I mean, I just can't stop reading. I mean, you know, with some fresh shadow divers to reading Monuments Men, reading the Thirty Four uh, by William Hastings Burke, which is a tale on Goings brother. It's you know, I I thought all this stuff was all in the history books. Right. It's not, yeah. and it's taken me to the Imperial War Museum in London. It's taking me taking me to the Bundesarchiv in Berlin. You know, uh, into Paris. Uh, you know, just there's the, the, because we live in the U.S. We don't realize what scope this had in Europe. You know, the, the Germans occupied almost you know all of Europe, and it's. The, some of these tales are are crazy, and unfortunately, that that generation is dying. And you know, if you don't hear these stories, if these stories don't get out, they're gone forever. Right. And that's why I think I started earlier. One of the reasons I got into this was my grandfather. Is I didn't that lost opportunity. I didn't kind of ask him. Fueled your passion a little. Yeah, bit. and I, who knows what I he think saw. A lot of people deal with that. You know, they didn't ask their parents or the grandparents. Yeah. You know, more right. about them, and then they're gone. And you got to learn from that. Well, there's another great movie, uh, uh, um, The Counterfeiters, on how mm-hmm. they, they kind of fitted the, 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 the U.S. dollar and the pound. And there's all the, you know, these stories just are not, they're not taught to us. And if you don't learn from them and they're not passed on, you don't tell someone else, they, they forget or dissipate. And if, uh, you know, you, how many people, you know, there's all these projects to get these uh, World War II veterans to the, the monument in Washington, D.C. or other places because they're now elderly and they're, they're in their 80s and sometimes 90s, they can't get there. And, you know, I, I just wish, you know, could have told, told my grandfather what I've found or what uh, sure. what was he, not to remember the car, but, you know, what was his experience in Europe or something like that. Or um, there's yeah. just so many unanswered there's questions. And there's certainly tales he had to tell as well that, that, that are lost. But um, what about the daughter? What did, did you follow up on? Or schooling, or, or, or kind of yeah. So she attended the the, the, the Cushing Academy in Massachusetts. Okay. Um, I'm not sure where she had gone to college. Uh, um, the I know she is working and is doing very well. Um, 
uh, I think it's back in Estonia, so she, I think she's doing good work. Um, so I mean, that's the so that's the that, that's the there's no monetary success, but the no, success of the story is the daughter aspect of, of this and just the the um, the knowledge and just the the continued existence of of something that was such a big part of history matters. Yeah. It matters. And then it, so it, who, you know what this could be a learning tool from this for, uh, of the car. Uh, you know who knows where this goes. Maybe it's a it's part of a traveling. Uh, informational museum project that could be something yeah. else. There's just it, there's so much towards this. Uh, again, the, the the more you learn more about the war, there's more, the more stories keep popping up. Uh, yeah. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, um, I feel like everyone should have like one grand adventure in their life and like one defining escapade. And I really feel like yeah. yeah, like this is yours, John. You know, like this is. This is something that's standing apart from the rest of your life, and I see, like, you know, how you know excited you are about it, and how it's sort of like it's become a part of you. I think that's, you know, that's really exciting, you know. But uh, like, like, what's next for you? I mean, you know, like, I mean, this book's going to come out, you know. But like, what else do you want to do with this story? Well, I mean, I, it's just to continue to find out, um, you know, if I can contact the uh, the the, uh, the all the characters in the story, or all the, the are they still alive? Or what's happened with them? So you are reaching out to I'm I'm trying to Swede, yeah is, I'm trying I'm trying to find out you know who you know uh, do I have everyone's name right is everything yeah. the way it, it, it happened is there something I need to make sure I've got the right characters are uh, you know me and Chris are lo- have been privy to some of the information as well and a lot we didn't speak of a lot of the characters which is great so you know when you do read the book and everyone out there. There's a lot more to it, but the characters are so intriguing right. along the way. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I, I, I held those back because no, I want people to buy I, I the book. So exactly. It's a little taste. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah. So the, again, this is all true. All these people are real. Mm-hmm. There, I have the uh, photos of them. Um, again, couldn't make that up if I tried. Um, but yeah, the, uh, just to keep looking, I'm, I'm looking for a couple of different pieces if I can find them. I actually have a ne- another project going on the, the, the Coachworks business itself because it's it's opened up several other doors, and I'm looking for one thing yeah. yet. Three other and things are opening for me. Look at this. Right. Yeah. yeah. So and it's 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 finding out what what else my father in law might have somewhere hidden yeah. in a drawer or yeah. Yeah. Um, you he's know. gonna find you rifling through his stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you, oh, John, I forgot about this. I forgot <laughs> yeah. to give you this one. Yeah, he was holding out initially on this. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, who else? What, what else he's yeah. got? What other tale he has? Huh? But yeah, every t- you know, and his accounts are great because I've got the first hand details from him and from Fritz and from the other partner. So it's it, it, it gives more life to the story. So I'm not you know it, it, I, there's specifics in there. Where it's you, you, it kind of takes you there, it takes you on their adventure. And again, I've, they've got the videos to go forth. So who knows if you know I might you know create a website or something for it yeah, to. Cool. How much video uh, is there? It. there? It sounds like a documentary. There's uh, there are hours wow. and hours yeah. and hours. Contact Ken Burns or something, you know? Yeah, well, that's the but yeah. I, who who knows where that? I mean, he's, he he hears this and he's yeah, interested. Yeah. So because yeah, uh, yeah, he does excellent work too. Well, I, I got to tell you, John, I'm really impressed. I mean, like you've taken on this role. I mean, you are have become this sort of chronicle color of history. You know, like I mean, you're. I think that every generation they have a duty to sort of carry the torch of the previous generation's you know history and move it forward, and, and you are definitely doing that in this capacity. Yeah, it's and, exciting and, to see. Yeah, you got an amazing story to tell, and you know I, I'm, I hope there's more of that in this world. You know. Yeah, I mean because it's connected because it's my father-in-law, so yeah. there is that connection that you have I have that cool connection. I just I, I think he he didn't get a lot of the recognition he did again with the, with the business going under. Uh, you know I want the facts straight. I you know I want him yeah. and the, his partners to get the recognition they deserve. Uh, for finding this thing, you know, it's it's the credit fully goes to them for deciding sure. that they were going to give up this money or give this uh, to get the car back. 
Um, I know there was a business aspect to it, but they decided to do it. And if without it their interest and without their preservation to do this, the car, who knows what happens? Maybe he's, you know, there's a quote where he wants to, he would have turned the car into a tractor, uh, mm-hmm. hydric if he didn't sell it. So if he does that, then the car is lost forever. And then, you know, it's, there's just one picture in a history book somewhere and no one knows any of the details. Right, yeah. Just an anecdote and a long story. Yeah. Of- Life, you know. Um, all right, so I think we'll wrap that alive. Yeah. yeah, I think we'll wrap some wrap things up there, John. You know, um, this has been hey, a fascinating story. Thank, thank you. you so much. No, I appreciate it. And hopefully, you know, I'll be back to you know give round yeah, two or something yeah. else. Yeah, the story is it's in motion. It's still developing. So there's right. there's more. You know, I just want to say, you know, me and Mike talk a lot about how there's stories everywhere. You know, and just waiting to be told. And this is this is the sort of thing here, and talking to you that you know we really love to shine a light on it over at across the margin. You know, I mean, you know, so we really appreciate you taking the time to. You know, share this exciting story with us, you know. And, um, you know, when your book comes out, we'll be sure to, you know, shine it on our site and let everybody know about where they can find it. And um, I just want to thank you for being on the show. And, uh, Mike, thank you for being a great co-host. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, and, appreciate it. Uh, thank you Thanks for listening, time. everyone. And we'll see you on the next episode of Beyond the Margin.